Amen. And so we've been in a series this whole uh, past six weeks called Encounter. What is the purpose of the Encounter series? Encounter means this, a face-to-face meeting. He wants to see you and for you to see him. Man, God wants to see you this morning. And God doesn't want to just see you. He wants you to see him. See, a lot of us believe God watches us everywhere we go and in everything we do. But we got to get to the point where we're wanting to watch God in everything we do and wherever we go. Amen. So he wants to see you, but he also wants you to see him with a face-to-face encounter. And why we're doing this is because we know God is bringing us on an amazing journey at TWBC. And over the next couple years, we're going to be building the new facility. So we wanted to keep in proper perspective what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. We're not building a new facility for it to be a holy shrine or for it to be an idol that we worship. We're building a new facility for it to be a tool, a tool for us to use to encounter God and for people who are lost, hurt, broken, and dying to come in and experience the fullness of who God is. And so as we begin to move forward in this process, we wanted to make real sure that the church was on board with what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. See, the Bible talks about the things that man has made are always to just be used as a tool to help encounter God. This building that we're building is not the encounter itself. So we want you to come in and have a place that you can worship the Father so much so that one of our core values at TWBC is this. It's authentic relationships. And it says, by creating an environment for divine connection, we develop quality relationships and experience life in Christ together. So what we're doing as we build this facility and what God's calling us to do, we're not building a holy shrine or an idol. We're building a place for people to come and have an encounter with the Father. The second thing is it's not a Christian retirement home or a country club. It's not a retirement home or a country club. It's a place designed for training to equip people to go out and do the work of the kingdom of God. And so I love it as we're building this. We're building a training ground. We're building a place for people to rise up in their faith and be able to use their faith not just within the facility but outside the facility to transform the community that we're in. And then also it's not about personal space but it is about making a place for everyone. And so our goal for before the year is done to have all the construction documents paid for and that's about 165 thousand dollars and we want to break ground in September of 2018 and as we do that we want to have a third of the cost in the bank and then we want to have the building paid for by the time we get in it in 2020 and so that is our our vision over the next couple years on how we want to accomplish making a kingdom movement for the kingdom of God building a building is not a kingdom movement building a building is a tool that'll equip people to do the movement amen Amen. you are the movement amen The building is not the movement. Have you ever noticed the building doesn't move? The building stays. But when church is done, you leave with the presence and the power of God, and you're moving. You are the movement. And so we're creating an environment for you to be able to be equipped and trained, and we can move in the presence and the power of God. And so as we're closing out this encounter series, the title of this morning's message is, I'm venting. I'm venting. Venting, And some of you are thinking, well, that's kind of a, a weird title. But can I tell you, when God says I'm venting, his venting is different than our venting. Amen? How many of you know what your venting looks like? How many of you know what your spouse's venting looks like? How many of you have ever vented on somebody before? How many of you know it wasn't pretty what the outcome was? Can I get an amen? How many of you know whenever you vent, there should be a repent that immediately follows? Amen. Come on now. Oh, come on. Y'all know that's true. Whenever you vent, it should be immediately followed by a repent. Because you know a lot of believers say this, just give me a minute. I'm just venting. But you didn't realize out of your mouth comes life and death, blessings and cursings. And those who love it will eat the fruit of it. You know, when you're venting, it may be your way of saying, I need a minute to be ungodly just for a moment. (laughs) 
Come on now. So your vent should always be followed by a repent and coming back into the presence and the face-to-face with God. But you want to know what I love most about our Heavenly Father? His venting looks a lot different than our venting. His venting was never done out of emotion. His venting is always done out of a plan. His venting was never done out of anger. It was always done out of love for people. His venting is not even a release of something negative. It's the empowering of his people because his venting is not being mad at somebody. His venting is empowering his people. And so God has two kinds of vents. It's advent and event. God has two types of venting. It's advent or adventing or event and eventing. And let me explain this as we're jumping into our Christmas series next week. Around this time of year, you hear the term Advent thrown out quite a bit. And what is Advent? Advent is this. Advent is a season observed by many Christian churches as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the nativity of Jesus Christ. So what, when I use the term Advent, what does that mean throughout this message? Whenever you hear the term Advent, it means a time of expectant waiting and preparation for a celebration. Come on now. When is the last time you approached church with expectant waiting and preparation because you knew by the end of it you were going to be in celebration because God has empowered you because he's vented on you? See, I want God to vent on me. Because his advent means, Joel, you need to come in with, with expectant waiting, expecting me to be there and do something in your life, expecting me to fulfill all my promises because Jesus Christ died on a cross, not so I could hold on to him, but so I could release him and give him to the people in my house and the people of God. He says, I want you to come in and be expectantly waiting and be prepared so when it hits you, you can celebrate properly. See, God's got some venting he wants to do, and his venting is this. It's getting his people ready for expectant waiting and preparation for a celebration. See, the church people look at it like this. We have expectant waiting and preparation for bawling at the altar in repentance. No, God says, I want expectant waiting and preparation for a celebration that I'm about to do in your life. See, if we keep putting out this genre that church is always about getting beat up and broke down, we're going to miss the fullness of what God has for us. The trueness of this is God doesn't want to break you. He wants to make you. He's making you into something. And so he says, when you come into the house of God, you need to come in with my type of venting, not your type of venting. And you know, there's more fights in every household on Sunday morning than any other morning of the week. Why? Because the enemy understands that if you come in with expectant waiting and preparation for a celebration, you're going to get what your faith has put into it. See, if you come in with that type of faith, you're going to leave with a time of celebration. So if he can get you distracted on Sunday morning with the kids not being good... And you're oversleeping a little bit. And you're too tired from what you did yesterday to even prepare for the celebration of today. If he can distract you with all those things, he knows that your expectant waiting and your preparation will not be where it needs to be. So you won't have the ability to celebrate like you should be able to celebrate. So God says this, I want you to come into my house with expectant waiting. What are you waiting on God to do in your life this morning? Not Christ's 911 faith. I'm talking like, what are, what are you dreaming about? What are your visions? What are the desires of your heart? God says, delight yourself in me, and I'll give you the desires of your heart in Psalm 37.4. And so as he says that, he says, but you got to come in with some expectant waiting and some preparation for a time of celebration. Yeah. 
How many of y'all are parents in the house? Hold your hand up real high. So you remember what it was like when you were about to have that first baby. Notice I said first baby. Because preparation for first baby is completely different than preparation for second baby. First baby, you go adventing to the extreme. You go adventing overboard. Now, what does adventing overboard mean? It means you go overboard in expected waiting and preparation for the celebration, right? Second kid comes like, we ain't got time for all this other stuff. We got one year old and we got another one coming. And instead of yes, Lord, it's oh, Lord, right? I remember me and my wife, we were so excited when we found out we were pregnant with our oldest son, Caleb, and we cried because we were so happy, and we found out we were pregnant with, or she was pregnant with Aaron, we cried, <laughs> right? <laughs> Said, no, we're, we're not ready for this again, <laughs> right? Best thing that's ever happened is having two boys a year and a half apart. It's been amazing. But you know that when you're about to have a baby, you went through an extensive time of expectant waiting and preparation for why? When that birthday comes and the baby's born, you have a time of celebration in the moment, right? And if God is trying to birth something in your life and out of your life, should you not approach it with overboard adventing, expectant waiting, and preparation for a great celebration? Amen. And if you haven't had a baby in the house, you may not understand what I'm talking about. So if, if you are of our Rage Student Ministries, do you remember when Christmas was actually fun? Yeah. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Y'all yeah. are in high school now, and it's not so fun. Like, oh, we got to do what? Mom, we did this when we were in kindergarten. I don't want to get up and sing Christmas carols. I don't want to get up and do this. I don't feel like doing this. And the expectant waiting and preparation for celebration as a teenager is completely different than it was when you were seven and eight years old, right? Yeah. See, when you're a teenager, you already know what you're going to get because you don't want mommy and daddy buying your clothes. You want a gift card to buy the clothes that you want to buy. Amen. Right? Come on now. Margaret, give me an amen. You know this was right with Sherry when she was growing up. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Notice I threw her under the bus on that one, not myself. In your teenage years, your expectancy of Christmas is completely different. But when you were a kid, do you remember what it was like waking up and running to the Christmas tree? And I'm talking, you're jetting in there, and you're waiting, and you're like, Mom and Dad, let's go. Let's wake up. Let's go open presents. And they're taking their time. Let me get some coffee. Let me do this. Let me, let me, let's eat some breakfast first. And the kids are like, would you hurry up? Come on now. Okay, maybe that was just me and my kids that still do it, right? Y'all ain't gonna lie, I'm gonna tell a story on myself. When I was growing up, I was always so excited about Christmas morning. After everybody would go to bed, I would grab my sleeping bag and pillow and I'd bring it out and I'd sleep by the Christmas tree. Well, I was excited about Christmas morning, man. There was a time of expectant waiting. There was a time of preparation. I was gonna make sure I did not miss Christmas. Man, I was so much, so I'm gonna sleep by this tree because that present's gonna be there when I wake up in the morning, right? Come on now, y'all know what I'm talking about. There was an expectant waiting. There was a preparation. Why? Because when you tore open to that present, man, it was going to be a time of celebration. And I loved when I was a kid, G.I. Joe's. And when I would open it up and I'd have this big G.I. Joe thing. Y'all don't even know what G.I. Joe is. Just hush for a minute. Adults on this side, y'all know what G.I. Joe is. Give me a hand clap. Come on now. And there was a time of preparation and expectant waiting because you knew you were about to celebrate something. Well, God says this morning to you, it's already Christmas Day. 
Christmas Day didn't happen when Jesus was born. Christmas Day happened when he was raised again from the dead and all things became open to the church and the body of Christ to grab hold of the kingdom of God. It's just I think we've become so complacent in our Christian walk that there's no expectant waiting and preparation for a celebration like there used to be. And so what I want us to talk about this morning is how do you get ready, not for Christmas, but for what God has for you this morning in your life? And so I want to leave you with these three phrases. Here is your takeaway today. The first one is this. You have to have an advent to get to the event. You have to have an advent to get to the event or the encounter, the time of expectant waiting and preparation. So you have to have an advent to get to an event. In the upper room at Pentecost, there was a 10-day advent, a time of expectant waiting and, and preparation for the day of Pentecost that ended in a great celebration with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church for the first time that still hasn't quit. Right. Yeah. And so if you think it stopped, step back under the waterfall and the flow of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. He hadn't stopped pouring it out. It didn't just happen one day in the upper room. One time his spirit's been moving ever since that day on the body of Christ who will have a time of expectant waiting and preparation and get ready for your celebration. And so you have to have an advent to get to the event. Some of you just want to show up and be at the event. Have you ever went to a ball game? There's a lot of preparation if you're going to go watch the, the Dallas Cowboys play football at Jerry World, right? Because some of y'all are like, why has he got to bring up all this stuff? No, it's the same thing. There's preparation. You had to buy your tickets, not at the gate. <laughs> well, when they're playing good, you, have, you, you, got, you got to buy your tickets free. <laughs> you knew I had to throw it in there. You knew, just knew I had to. You got to buy your tickets previously. You don't just drive out the door and get halfway to Fort Worth and say, oh, we should probably got gas. <laughs> right? And if it's just you and your spouse going or you and one of your friends going, you probably, if you have other responsibilities such as kids, you've already pawned your kids off on somebody else, right? Oh, I'll just call it like it is. You're pawning them off because you don't want them at the game with you, right? You wanted to enjoy the game, not be interrupted during the game, right? So you've pawned your kids off because why? You're preparing for a celebration because when you arrive there, you had to be ready for what is going to happen. And so I want the church, the body of Christ, to get this. You have to have an advent to get to the event. Now listen, some of, us to get, some of us get to be a part of an event because of someone else's advent. That's right. yeah. Did you catch that? Some of us get to be a part of a great event because of someone else's advent. And what do I mean by that? There's a lot of ladies who were truly blessed the past couple days in our community because of what Sherry and Andrea and Lindsay Collette did for the last 10 months, getting ready for an advent because they knew about the event, but a lot of ladies came to an event because of their advent called Festival of Plates, amen. Yeah. And y'all give them three ladies a big hand clap of praise for the amazing job that they did. How many of you know that the day that you got born again and Jesus Christ came into your life, it was because of somebody else's advent that you got to have that event? Yeah. Come on, now, I remember the day I was born again. And I'm so glad the man who led me to Christ surrendered to the ministry years before because that was the, his advent that he was doing. He was preparing for the event that I got to take place in. So you need to get ready because somebody else can be a part of an event because of your advent. And after you get born again, I believe you're supposed to be the one creating advent so somebody else who doesn't know Christ can come in and have their event. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this church is all about. 
When a lost or hurt or broken or dying person comes into this sanctuary on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, we're being prepared all week long. We're in the presence of God. We're getting ready with Advent so that lost and hurt and broken and dying person can have their event and get born again and their life radically changed and then get healed under the power of God and have their life completely transformed so they can enjoy the event at the expense of somebody else's Advent. So you got to have an Advent to get to the event. First one. The second one is this. Somebody else gets to have an event because of your advent. And the church must, must buy into and hunger for advent. Now listen, what is advent? What is your preparation? What is this? Believing God, that's your advent. That's your preparation. Okay? I know there's a lot of stuff we got to do to make sure a worship service happens. But if we don't start advent with just believing God... Not even believing that God will do something, but believing that God is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him according to his word. Believing God is, is our advent, is our preparation. Believing that all his promises are true comes in believing God. Yeah. See, a lot of us want to believe in the promises, but not necessarily believe in the God who gave the promise. Yeah. The good thing is he even manifested his promise in Joel's life before I really fully believed in him because I got born again, right? By his grace, not by my works. So he had an advent prepared for my event. But in this, believing God is your advent. The Bible says this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. That is the work of God. So your advent is this, believing in God is your advent. It is the process to get you to your event. Many of us, our event is nothing because we simply, it is simply the outcome of our advent. Your event this morning, this worship service this morning, you can leave here fully impacted and empowered by the kingdom of God and his presence because your advent was that, your preparation was for that, or you can leave here with absolutely nothing and you're getting exactly what you expected in both situations. Come on now, that's good stuff. You're getting exactly what you expected in both, if you came in expecting nothing, your preparation was nothing, and a lot of times you leave with nothing. Doesn't matter how good the worship team does. Doesn't matter how great the preaching is. If you came in with no preparation and expecting nothing, a lot of times you leave with nothing because your advent wasn't there. But in the midst of it, if you do come in expecting and hungering for the kingdom of God, he always seems to meet you at the point of your advent and creates an event. Now that is not the norm. Now let me let me qualify this that is not the 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 extensive uh rule that is flatlined there, there are some exceptions to that okay the power of god can move in your life because of somebody else's advent do you remember what i just said so even if you came in expecting nothing you can get a lot of something because of somebody else's advent gave you an event so god wants to move in your life in an amazing way but he also says church how is your expectant waiting how is your preparation for your celebration? Now, I want to clarify this, and I'm a, if I don't get past the intro to my message, it's still the intro to my message, okay? We got to get this. What is your preparation for? Your preparation and your expectant waiting is for the celebration. It's not for the work you're going to have to do. See, a lot of times when I'm doing my, what I would say, Advent, preparing for the message, I've missed it because I was preparing for the work that I'm about to have to do on Sunday morning in preaching. I wasn't preparing for the celebration, and that means how you're going to be impacted by my advent. 
When I started changing my perspective that I'm not preparing to work, I'm preparing to celebrate, it made preparing a lot more fun. Come on now. If you'll come in prepared to celebrate, church will be a lot more exciting. But some of you come in prepared to work. And the work of God is to believe. So I want you to start changing your mindset when you come in for preparation and expecting waiting. What are you preparing and expecting? You're expecting and preparing for the celebration. Whenever a woman goes into labor, she wasn't preparing and expecting for the, all the pain because they're like, oh my gosh, that's crazier than nothing like I've ever felt. They were preparing for the celebration that comes after the labor pains. In your life, I want to encourage you. If you're always looking at the cost and never the impact or the celebration, you'll never step out by faith. You'll never step out by faith. But if in your preparation, your advent and expecting waiting, you're looking at the celebration of what God's going to do through you and how he's going to transform you, you're not worried about the cost in between. And can I tell you this? Jesus Christ already paid the cost. He already paid the price. So in your life, I want to encourage you, let's jump into Advent. And as we're running through this message this morning, um, I want to talk to you about two different people today. I want to talk to you about Zechariah, and I want to talk to you about Mary. I'm not going to read all the scripture. I'm just going to, I need you to, uh, if you got the TWBCSS app, pull it up, because all my sermon notes are on there. You can look at it there. Um, or if you want to open the blog tomorrow, you'll get the full rundown of all the scriptures. But in Luke chapter number 1, verses 9 through 20, you have Zechariah's story. But then also in Luke chapter number 1, verse 26 through 38, you have Mary's story. Now, there are two different people with two very similar events, with two very different outcomes. And a lot of it was how they responded to what God was trying to show them was going to happen in their life. Now, listen, I just got to read this because I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward in this. And, and jump down to verse 18, Luke chapter 1, verse number 18. And so as you're turning there, the Bible is talking about um, Zechariah was the priest and he was chosen by Lot to go into the, the, the holy places we've talked about for the past couple weeks. And the whole multitude of people were outside praying over him as he was about to go in. And when he went in there, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and he was on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah saw it and he was troubled and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Now jump into verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this question mark? I'm going to stop. And if you'll start reading the Bible according to third grade grammar, you'll get a lot more out of it. When it's a question mark, he's asking a question. When it's an exclamation point, he's making a statement. When it's a period, it's the end of a sentence, not a comma that keeps running on. And so in that, you, a lot of us put, put a question mark where God's put an explanation point. Where God said it's done and it's finished, you're still asking a question about it. And the way we read it has everything to do with the impact God can have on our life. And it says, how shall I know this question mark? And then listen to what he says about what God told him, about why God can't do in his life what he's been praying for God to do for the past 50-some years of his life. <laughs> do you ever get that? You've been praying for something, finally God gives you an answer, and then you start telling him why it can't happen? Come on now. I know I'm not the only one to say that. Listen to this. It says, uh, how shall I know this question mark? For I am an old man and my wife, listen to how good he is of a husband, and my wife is advanced in years also. <laughs> he didn't call her old. See, he's smart. Y'all take a lesson from Zachariah right there. He called himself old, but her advanced. <laughs> Come on, now that's good stuff. That'll preach in a marriage seminar too, I'm just saying. 
And he, my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. Yeah. Whew, come on now. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until that day these things take place. Now listen, here's the important part. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Now we go to Mary's story, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And I want you all to jump down into about verse 35. But we know the story of Mary, an angel appeared to her and everything, and it said, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you'll conceive a child in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, he will be called Son of the Most High God, and God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now jump into verse 34, and it says, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Question mark. She asked a question. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And, his, and, and this the sixth month of her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am your servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. That's the key. Let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, we gotta, I got to have you remember these points as we go into these two stories real quick. Remember, you have an advent. You got to have an advent to get to an event. Some of us get to be a part of an event because of someone else's advent. And believing God is your advent. It is your preparation for what God is about to do. And so with these two very similar accounts where an angel appears to Zechariah and an angel appears to Mary, we're going to compare them a little bit as we move forward and watch the difference of what happened. Both were visited by Gabriel. Both were visited by the angel of God. And in verse 11, for Zechariah, says, And there appeared to him the angel of the Lord. And Mary, in verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God, and the virgin's name was Mary. Listen, there is no shortage of heaven. Heaven wanted to visit earth, including God himself. See, there is no shortage of heaven wanting to visit this earth. And some of us think heaven has gone bankrupt for some reason, and we're afraid to ask God for the big things, much less the small things. But heaven is not bankrupt, and there's no shortage of heaven wanting to come and encounter this earth, including God himself. That's why he tore the veil, so we could come to him and he could come to us. And so there's no shortage of heaven wanting to encounter the earth. And then now let's listen to their response. In verse 13, the angel responded, and the angel said to Zechariah, do not be afraid, for your prayer has been heard. He's told Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Notice that the angel, God's voice and representative, did not reprimand them for freaking out. The angel of God did not reprimand them because they both freaked out and were afraid when they saw the angel. The difference is this. Listen. The difference is this, they didn't freak out. God is not mad. In fact, he's just the opposite. He's trying every way to empower you. When, you. when God shows up and tells you something, it's not if you freak out, because most of all of us always freak out. It's the spirit you let come up on you immediately after that that determines your course of action. Right. See, in that moment, the angel of the Lord came and spoke to both of them. Zachariah spoke something out of fear. Mary spoke something out of faith. See, when God begins to move in your life, I'm not saying it's not big and it's not scary and it's more than you ever imagined, and that's probably how you know it's God because it's more than you ever thought it would be. Yeah. But a lot of us in the moment, we freak out, but in that freak out moment, 
You need to decide, am I stepping in the line of faith over here or am I going to step into the line of fear over here? And in that moment, in that time when you hear the voice of God and he tells you to do something, you have the option. You can step out in faith or you can step out in fear and watch what God begins to do with both of these people as they stepped into this situation. In this, Zechariah, the Bible says, after he stepped out in fear, he makes the statement of how can this be Period to God. Now listen, their response, Zechariah said this in, in verse 8, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this question mark? For I am old, an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Now listen, Mary's response was this, and the angel of the Lord said this, and Mary said, how will this be since I am a virgin? And then shut up. Did you catch the difference? Zachariah said, how shall I know this? And made reasons why it couldn't happen. Mary said, how will this be? And shut her mouth. See, sometimes there's too much talking in the church. Now y'all can amen that and talk back. It's okay, all right? See, sometimes God shows up and tells us something and God does not mind us asking a question. He does not mind us asking a question because that is what prayer is about. It is communicating with God. If you got a question, ask him. But when you ask the question, shut up and let him respond. Yes, good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. A lot of us ask him the question, how will I know this is going to happen? And then goes to tell God all the reasons why it cannot happen in your life. And you try to disqualify what God's already qualified. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, come on now. When you start making statements that contradict what God is doing, you're making statements of unbelief and you're trying to disqualify what God has already qualified. By you showing up here this morning and sitting through this service, you're saying, God, I know that you got something for me. I'm in my advent. I'm in my preparation and expectant waiting for my celebration. So when he starts speaking to you here in the next few minutes, don't start shutting him down by your statements of unbelief. Now, Mary, she said, and the angel said to Mary, how will this be? And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And then she got quiet. Listen, unbelief asks a question, but then follows it up with a statement that turns the desire for understanding into a statement of doubt. Zechariah asked a question. Nothing wrong with asking a question, but then makes a statement of why it can't happen. Listen to Mary. Mary asked a question. Her question was asked out of desire to know the plans of God, not doubt. So her question, like Zachariah, is a product of the spirit that came upon her as well. The moment it showed up that said both were afraid, but a spirit of faith and desire came upon Mary, a spirit of fear came upon, and doubt came upon Zachariah. And the biggest issue we face in the church is this, the very spirit of God that is speaking to you right now and says get ready for your celebration is being contradicted by a spirit of doubt in your heart and mind saying what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't take place? What if it doesn't occur? This is why Advent is so important. It's expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration, not the what if it doesn't happen. See, a lot of us come in and we have expectant waiting, we have preparation, but in the moment, instead of rising up with the spirit of faith, we cower with the spirit of doubt and your Advent for expectant waiting and preparation wasn't for a celebration, it was for a letdown because you've been let down by people and things and circumstances in your past where God is saying, I need your advent to change. 
I need your expectant waiting and your preparation to be about your celebration. Okay, not about your breakthrough. Now, now I want you to hear truly what I'm saying. Not about what it's going to take to get you to your breakthrough. Not about if you got to walk to the front of the sanctuary. He says, I want you to stay focusing on the celebration because if you're focusing on the celebration and you're expecting waiting and your preparation, I'll bypass all this stuff with the spirit of faith that can come up on you and you'll go right to the celebration time. And a lot of us, we've been expectant waiting, we've been in preparation, but it wasn't for a celebration. Follow me real quick. We've been in expectant waiting, we've been in preparation for when the altar call comes to run up here and, oh God, I'm such a worthless sinner, please help me change my life. See, your preparation was for that, it wasn't for your celebration of how he was going to encounter you. And he didn't say that. If that's a part of the process then so be it, let it be a part of the process. But your expectant waiting and your preparation shouldn't be about the process, it should be about how you're gonna celebrate when you know God's about to speak to you and touch your life and change your life. Right? And so a lot of us are sitting here saying, oh God, I need a financial miracle, I need a healing in my life, and you're in this 911 crisis type of faith like we talked about a few weeks ago, but I want you to change your mentality because when God begins to speak, and he's speaking to some of you right now, he's saying, I need for you to focus on the celebration and how you're going to respond when I start speaking, not about what you got to do to get to the celebration point. We've got to start changing our lifestyle as believers because the Bible says this, you go from faith to faith to glory to glory. You say it like this, you go from faith to faith to celebration to celebration. And a lot of times, if you miss the celebration, it's because of this one reason. It's because your expectant waiting and your preparation was in the works that you're going to have to do to get to the celebration. But let me clarify something. If you're saved by grace through faith, you're healed by grace through faith, you're set free by grace through faith, you're washed in the blood of the Lamb by grace through faith. So he's already done the work that it takes for you to have done. And so he says, I'll do the work, you do the celebrating. Some of y'all are like, I don't get it. It's because you're making it way too hard. We made Christianity so hard these days. And you're making it way too hard. Why? Because this, if you got born again, which is the fundamental building block of your Christian faith that you believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross, that he raised again from the dead on the third day, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to intercede on our behalf, that is the role of Jesus, and we believe that here at the Way Bible Church, he already did the work, the cost, the price that was paid for us to walk in grace. So now your role is this to Advent or believe God. That's it, believe God. The moment I believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, my life was transformed forever. After that came tears and snot and crying and repentance because I I truly felt the grace of God hit my life, right? But I didn't have to cry and snot and everything else before that to get to the grace. Come on now, I'm I'm being serious. Well, well, Joel, you're you're selling the gospel short. No, I'm making the gospel what it really is. 
Jesus Christ paid the full price for you and me on the cross of Calvary. And he not only went to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, he gave us his Holy Spirit that we can be baptized in and you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire and he'll dwell with you forever, the Bible says. It's the second greatest act of God's grace on the church. And so all we have to do as the church is just like you did when you got born again. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't do enough stuff to gain it. You simply got to say, I receive it. By grace, through faith in Christ Jesus. That's good. Now listen, some of y'all are still going to make this too hard at altar call. I'm being serious. We're going to stand up in just a minute, and your stomach's already turning. Pastor Corey, I can just feel it. Some people are like, I'm fixing to get some here. I know God's got some, and you're already excited. But when I say stand up, you're immediately going to have to make the decision of, oh, what, what, what do I do now? Do I got to go to the front? No, you say, I receive it. And then you come to the front and celebrate with us about it. Amen. Come on. Tell us what he's already done. See, a lot of you think that you got to come up here to get your answer. No, your answer's already been in Jesus Christ and will always be in Jesus Christ. We don't have your answer. He's got your answer. you got to receive it by grace, through faith, and we get to celebrate with you on the other side and confirm it. Amen. It, it, it's that easy. It is that easy. Well, pastor, here's the question I always get. Why doesn't it always happen? Check your advent. Check your advent. Advent is this. It's, it is expectant waiting. Are you expecting to celebrate or are you expecting to be let down? Okay, expectant waiting. And preparation. What's your preparation? I receive all that God has for me. That's your prep. For the celebration that's about to take place in your life. Expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration. Mary had an Advent season of expectant waiting and preparation, and there was a celebration. And her words were this, let it be unto me according to your word. Well, you have spoken, God. Zechariah made the mistake. He asked a question, but then he told God every reason why it was not possible for it to happen to him. See, Mary understood grace before grace had manifested. She received it, the Son of God, in her, in her womb. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you. And behold, in your womb, you will have the Son of God. She received grace before grace could even manifest. I I don't know how that works, but it had to work because she had Jesus. And grace fully came on the church at the resurrection. So she got to walk in grace 34 years before the rest of the church did. Why? How did, how, did, how did she do it? Her expectant waiting, her preparation was followed by a response that your advent is this, let it be unto me according to your word. You need, a, you need God to touch your life and heal your physical body. Mitch, I'll come up and play. You need God to touch your life and heal your physical body. Some of you are telling the God all the reasons. Well, the doctor said this, and they said this, and this said this, and I heard this, and this is that. Why don't you just say, God, let it be unto me. According to your word. And then leave it. See, some of y'all are waiting for me to still say something. No. Say, so just let it be unto me according to your word. Let it happen in my life according to your word, okay? 
Some of you are waiting for God to come through in your marriage. And you need to go before him with expectant waiting and preparation and say, let it be unto me according to your word. Because the word of God is this. It is the will of God for your life. It is the building block of the will of God for your life. It tells you what to prepare for in your life. Then he speaks to you personally, individually, and specifically for the calling and the gifting to walk out his will for your life and how that looks and how you do it. How it looks and how I do it is going to be different than how you, it looks and how you do it. See, the will of God is this. The Bible says this. It is the will of God for all men to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So me and, and Colton both got born again. But now his ministry looks a little bit different than my ministry. See, the will of God are those things, and it's written in his word. The specifics of God is where you get to go to him and have an encounter. And he'll say, Colton, I got great and mighty plans for you. Hear my voice, listen to me, follow in my ways, walk in my ways, and I'm going to make it come to pass. He hadn't forgotten about you, bro. Okay? He's got something for you. And he's saying, stay in my will. Stay in my word. And he's fixing to bring you from a place of faith to faith to glory to glory. And, and I don't know what you're, you may be struggling with. I don't, I don't know, but I know God's got something for you. And it's, so I want you to prepare to celebrate, not prepare to be let down. He's fixing to open doors that could have never been opened. He's fixing to do things that, that'll change your life. And his answer to you is, let it be unto me according to your word. He's fixing to change your life. See how it looks for me and how it looks for Slade are two completely different things. Slade gets to travel all over America and spread the gospel every week all over America. God's got Joel T. Meyer in Sulphur Springs where I'm happy to stay, happy to be. Absolutely. See how it looks for you and how it looks for me. I can't judge how God works by, by our different callings because he loves us all equally. It's just we got to step in with the time of expectant waiting and preparation, not for the work that we got to do, for the celebration that he's bringing us into. So if you'd stand this morning, I want all the ministers to come.